There is a Shabad by Guru Arjan Dev Ji on Ang 186 of Shri Guru Granth Sahib. It's a Shabad with quite an interesting history, especially in modern times in the past two, three decades. It was actually, uh, I guess it was actually part of a wider conspiracy or controversy, you can say, against the Guru Granth Sahib. I will... start by reading off the shabad in punjabi and then we will move on to the english translation pyo dade ka khol ditha khajana bhare pandhar akhot atal khave kharche ral mil pai tot na aave vado jai ratan lal jaka kuch nahi mol kaho nanak jis mastak likhe likhai so eth khajana laiye ralai the meaning is that upon upon opening the treasure trove of my ancestors entirely i discovered immeasurable riches congregate together and consume and spend without any worry my friends nothing will deplete but the trove will forever grow priceless diamonds abound within nanak says that they who make the effort they acquire access to this trove their endeavors pay off and they are made partners to this trove which they forever grow now if i remember correctly back in the late 80s and early 90s it was uh, dr pashora singh in north america who actually misinterpreted the shabad to uh, attempt to substantiate the existence of manuscript 1245 if i remember correctly which was a forged document but which he tried arguing indicated that guru arjan dev ji altered the bani of his predecessors anyway close to over 100 scholars scholars gathered worldwide and he was finally called in front of the kal takht unfortunately no strict action was taken against him but gyani bachitter singh advocate actually published a book with all the findings which the scholars made while uh, refuting his allegations and that book is quite a classical read because what it actually does is it lays bare the essence of the shabad pyo dada does not mean father and grandfather what it actually means in colloquial punjabi is ancestors like it does like hon pinda te keh dende na ede pyo dada di zameen piche turi aundi hai it's ancestral land yep. now this treasure trove the guru is talking about the treasure trove is explained on ang 570 antar khuta amrit bharya shabde kade piye pinhari within ourselves are wells of nectar through reflection we can drink from them and really what is this nectar gurgyan padarth naam hai har naam mein dai dirai on ang 759 so really this treasure trove is intelligence intelligence is the true amrit that's pyo da de da khol de tak khajana that khajana is intelligence well uh i, I would dare to say that, uh, that that's something that everybody should know is basic common sense yep and like we were discussing last night that poster which was made for this particular one it's got four individuals on there it's got beer singh and uh, beer singh has actually sung a quite a remarkable song hasn't he mitti de patro akla nu tar lwavo 
Now, yep. every time we see any political situation in India, anywhere, Punjabi singers usually come out with their, uh, you know, AK-47 songs and whatnot. But Bede went a different way. He's saying, use your mind, strengthen your mind, strengthen your intellect. And that song has garnered, uh, garnered quite a large following in the few days since it was released. Secondly, yep, yep. Secondly, we have Preet Bharara, who actually was only until recently the foremost attorney at law in the USA. Then we have Harpreet Kaur, who was initially the only Sikh journalist in Washington. And then we have Simranjit Kaur Gill, who was uh, who currently is an advocate at law in the Punjab, and she's actually succeeded in pushing through a law which actually uh, entails that Punjabi schools need to teach children about sexual abuse, which is quite a acclaimable, I guess, move in the Indian scenario at the moment. If you look at these people, though, to be honest, Bahir Singh is a Sikh. Bahara isn't a Sikh, like not in appearance. Uh, Harpreet in that uh, picture has a turban. But uh, Gil, she doesn't have a turban. She's not Amritari. So this actually should be indicating to us that intelligence does not discriminate. No, it doesn't. No. It, it, uh, nothing to do with your parents or your background. No, and not your faith. And I guess the Sikh identity is based on intelligence. Our identity, the Panjikakar, signal that we partake of that Amrit, that intelligence... And that's how we live life progressively. The Kakars in themselves are divine. They don't actually open the way to the, that intelligence themselves, do they? No, of course not. But uh, well, yep. you and I must have seen countless people who are totally Amratari, are strict Amratari. Hmm. And uh, there are not many positive things you can say about them, unfortunately. No, you can't. It's just the uh, yeah. Well, if you see, I was recently reading about the Renaissance in um the in Europe, and it's amazing how they were saying that intelligence has always been the forsworn foe of religion. Intelligence has never derided religion to the degree religion derides intelligence. Well, uh, you could say the exact same thing when uh, in in uh, in in our scenario they say e karta. Yep. Yeah. They say you just need to have faith. So leave mm. all your comments. just have faith and believe what, what we tell you. And that brings us to another critical point. If you look at it, if you look at the history of the Sikhs, we have so many martyrs. Probably the most martyrs in world history are in Sikh Sikhi. No, and I would doubt that. <laughs> well, let's just for take it for argument's sake. So on one okay. hand, we are saying we have so many martyrs. On the other hand, there is still that question lingering that why were there so many martyrs? Why were those Sikhs ready to die for their faith? And I guess it's because one thing which we have conveniently omitted is that they lived life intelligently as the Gurus wanted them to. And they were willing to die in order to be able to live life on their own terms. And when those terms were suppressed, they had no other recourse. They decided, fine, then kill us, but we will never submit to you. There's also uh, another another way, uh, not, not another way, another reason, I would say. 
yep. that a lot of them were simply put to death. They didn't just go out of the door of the house and say, okay, today I'm going to die. No, they were captured, they were put to death. Mm-hmm. So they were, they, were, they were trying to walk a path as told by our gurus. They were trying to be good Sikhs, but they were captured and put to death. Yep, for being Sikhs. Yeah, for being Sikhs and for following the Guru's teaching and for trying to create a better society and everything. So mm-hmm. they are also counted as Shahids, rightfully. Yep. But we cannot say that they, they on point, went outside or went to die or to give Shahidi. Mm-hmm. But then you do have exceptions to that rule as well. You have Guru Arjan Dev Ji, you have Guru Teg Bhadar Ji, you have Pai Taru Singh who actually went out of the way to someone hel- uh, to aid someone else, knowing the consequences. So somewhere along yeah. the way, I guess those were the times when the day you became a Sikh, you signed your own death warrant, pretty much. You knew what the consequences would be. Yeah, yep, that's true. Our heads were sold, and uh, sold for no reason, apart from that, that we were just, just Sikhs, no rebellion. No, they were, not, they were not bandits, they were not criminals, they were just Sikhs, and they were put to death for being Sikhs. Six. And from one alternative view, we can say they were put to death for being intelligent. <laughs> well, that's that's part of being a Sikh, and especially in those times, there were people who were not uh, that diluted in their in their faith. Mm-hmm. So, so they must have followed everything Sikhi said. <clears throat> yep, and <clears throat> quite amazingly enough for a community, I guess, for a faith which prides itself on unleashing that uh, inner Amrit. Nothing wrong with the faith, but today that that spirit, that Elan, that uh, essence is lacking, isn't it? It's just been dismissed by conventional religiosity. Well, sadly, I have to agree with you there. Hmm. <clears throat> and... I guess when you look at those four individuals on the post or anywhere else, any individuals who have achieved something, that's when you really need to sit down and think. Now, if you look at the Jewish community, you look at the, you know, any other community, you see their role models. There are so many role models for their children that most of them we haven't heard about in the public sphere. Anyhow, if any of their members achieve something, yeah, sure. Some people will say, okay, let's hold them up as a role model. And then after a few days, things die down. No one remembers. Us, on the other hand, we treat role models like the next best thing after sliced bread. And I guess that's because we have so less of a educated class among us, so less of an intelligent class among us, that if we see any exceptions, we seriously need to burnish them to a high degree. I was actually talking about uh, this issue uh, a few months ago with my with my cousin in the UK. Yep. And, and I asked them that Sikhs have been there for more than 100 years, yeah? Yep. And there hasn't been a single Sikh footballer. Mm. There hasn't been a single serious Sikh athlete in the UK for 100 mm. years. Why is that? <clears throat> mm. Well, he he said that there might be the reason that we are just concerned about making money and being successful and uh, not venturing that much into arts and cultures and and humanities Mm -hmm. and sports, of course. I guess the biggest, when anyone says humanity, the first word which comes to our minds is Bhangra. That's that's pretty much how I see it. (laughs) Well, no, it's not an international thing. It's just a Punjabi thing. 
Yeah, it's a funny thing that, you know, someone says humanities, you go straight to punk, right? And the singing, dancing type of stuff. Yep. So, so since you were talking about uh, role models for, from the Jewish community. Yep. Is there a single sphere or single field in this world where Jews are not present in large number? I don't know of any. I'll confess. Well, for especially Sikhs, uh, I think we have, how, how do I say, a comparison with the Jews? Mm -hmm. We like to compare ourselves with them. And uh, uh, also because there the, are the quite a few events where Sikhs and Jews, you know, they get together, have an interfaith meeting or something. <laughs> yep. There are, there are quite a lot of videos on YouTube and stuff. So you have to compare both communities. One community, the Jews, well, they have they have a very old heritage. Yep. And today, after centuries of persecution and uh, genocides, I would say, they have a state of their own. And uh, before establishing a state of their own, they were very, very widespread in the terms of science, in terms of art and culture and everything, and yep. including politics and in business and economics. Hmm. So after being successful in what act in what actually you need to form a state, they form the state uh, later. Yep. So today we are demanding, or well not we, some or a small part of our community is demanding a state called Khalistan. When when you have absolutely nobody to to run it. <laughs> I guess when you look at the way the gurus said everything, like now look at the human intelligence. We were talking about that. The gurus didn't believe in the sin of mankind or that, you know, in some way, man's intelligence would be inferior to God's. Yes, it's of a lower level, but God is the one who gave that intelligence to man. So it should be utilized. They never derided it. And from there, you can see that the gurus themselves sort of created a class of Sikhs who were uh, quite intelligent, quite, you know, sharp-minded, like Bir says, their rakal was seriously sharp as a tar their bebek, their brains. And this was quite a, I guess, progressive community in the sense that they were quite adaptable, you know, flexible, always ready to adapt, always ready to utilize whatever situation was at hand to, you know, achieve their own ends as a fraternity. But I was re recently reading a book, Legacy of the Guru by Veer Pupinder Singh of Delhi, who's quite a famous pracharak, and he actually... Uh, runs an institute called The Living Treasure. And in the book, he makes quite a significant uh, observation that when it comes to Ardas, Ardas was initially done to remind us of the sacrifices of our phobias, what it takes to make a Sikh and receive Gyan, Gur Gyan or Satguru, which essentially is the truth, the way of living. Today, Ardas has been changed quite significantly to... Uh, mean that uh, you are actually relying on some other power rather than your own intelligence to achieve something. And that's heavily handicapped uh, handicapped us, hasn't it? Well, exactly. Uh, you have to remember that uh, Guru says, mm. So, in my opinion, you you do Ardas for your You don't beg God to do something for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're sorry, but today that is the reality. You, you, you do or does, this is beyond me. Please help me. Yep. 
And Veer Papinder Singh points out quite a significant thing as well. He's saying that in Sikh history, there was never a Ardas performed by the, you know, Pant to say that, can you please change this? Can you please change that? They went through the best. They basically did Ardas. Sachepacha, this is the situation. Give us the Gyan so we can, you know, set one foe off against the other or, you know, find the best course of action forward. However, today, that Ardas has been so altered that, you know, one question arises in everyone's mind now and then. If you're saying Vaheguru is absolute, Vaheguru is perfect, his works are perfect from the, you know, onset, why then are we doing Ardas to him to change what he's doing? What are you trying to be Martin Luther, eh? Yep. Well, that's a valid point, but if everything's already already decided, what's the whole point of doing Ardas? It isn't as much about predestination because for the impression, like my impression is that in Sikhi, we don't have predestination. We are left to our own free wills to interact with Hukam, the cosmological order. But on the other hand, if you're saying that Hukam is perfect and we reap what we sow, so why then do we turn around and say to Vahigruvel, you know, Ardas, we're doing Ardas, this is imperfect, this imperfectness has happened to me, can you please change it? Now, this goes for people who say that everything, everything in their life is Hukam, you know, some people have that, uh, habit of running away by blaming Hukam at all stages of their life. So if everything well, is Hukam and Hukam is perfect, why are you doing Ardas to change something? Well, that is the belief of most, most of the Sikhs today. So you have to say, okay, it, it, it's the Karam, that's, that's your Kismet, it's already decided. Mm. But that runs contradictory to Gurbani itself. Well, if, if, we talk, if we start talking about contradiction, we will need a 10-hour podcast, at least part one condensation. Yep, yep, we would. So, we were talking about why there are no Sikhs in sports or arts or humanities. Nothing, nothing which matters, to be honest. I mean, let's go back to the Jews. Steven Spielberg, he's in the film sector. You know, films, movies, visualizations, they inspire society. They do at a subliminal level. You have Jewish politicians, you have Jewish writers. I mean, they're all over. Anything which inspires or motivates or moves humanity, Jews will be the foremost community in that. But if you look at Sikhs, no Sikhs. Nope. Maybe some in sports to get jobs and stuff. In India, the, there were sports quota and everything. But they're worshipped more as tokens, aren't they? They're seen as being tokens. There's no significant presence which is influential. Uh, nope, sadly no. Yep. And what is it really? What do you think it is? Is it a culture or is it that we have misinterpreted as Sikhi? Or what is it which is actually holding us back? Because if you look at you know Punjabi households, you ask them what they want their kids to do. See, a kid is born today. But by tomorrow, they've pretty much mapped out his life, haven't they? So they will say either doctor or engineer. These seem to be the only two things we are stuck at, or maybe two more, going overseas or becoming a soldier. Could you say that uh, we haven't reached that stage of development in our culture where we are not focused on money anymore? I don't believe so. 
I don't believe so at all. I mean, the, you just need to look at Gurdwaras today to see that we are regressing more and more into focusing on money, on materialistic gain, rather than achieving something as a community. Well, if, if, we, if, we, if you compare Sikhs in India and Sikhs in the diaspora, hmm. do you think there's a massive difference in terms of approach to life? Maybe the, 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 the generation born after 1990 or in the 21st century, they have a totally different viewpoint. I believe they do. If you look at the Western kids today, they, they question especially the sea kids, they question everything. They are inquisitive. They want to know. They want to get to the root of everything. You know, you. they have multiple questions and they also want multiple answers to be able to form that one worldview or one life view of where they're heading as Sikhs. But if you look in India, there doesn't seem to be that spirit of inquiry or if there is, it's usually suppressed under uh, cultural norms. It is. If, if there's a Sikh kid, <clears throat> let's say, born today, hmm. and uh, in the future they'll, they'd say, okay, I want to be a painter. Hmm. How much encouragement do you think that particular kid will get to, to become a painter? Something they really, really want to do, not earn money to survive, but they're passionate about it. Well, I mean, I will end this in one word, <laughs> Chatter. Well, they will simply say, Tannu bohut jada pata, tu mere no baad vay jama ki akal maad ho gaya. Well, this is a very, uh, very, very wide point, I would say. Mm. And uh, you will input from people who are much, much wiser than me. Yep. So I'm not. Okay. So if we move to uh, another point that I have in my mind. Yep. In the, in the 21st century, how do we gain political influence? See, after 9-11 happened, the, we know the Sikh coalition was formed in the USA and early on it was a volunteer organization. Now, of course, I don't agree with all of their politi uh, politics and their, you know, some of their views. However, one thing the coalition actually grasped, and this was grasped by quite a lot of people worldwide at the time, is that, you know, in the 21st century, things won't be the same as before. We have technological connect. We have quite a lot of things which has made the entire world into a little global village. Civic participation in all walks of life or, you know, generally just universal participation is quite necessary. And this is where we need to start training our kids to represent the community in the political field, especially. Well, political power is the best kind of power you can imagine, apart from a superpower. <laughs> and see, look at it this way. For a long time, the community shunned politics. It's amazing how, you know, Pracharaks would be on stage saying, uh, Rajniti Perdi Jutiya, except that the Gurus never said that. From Guru Nanak onwards, they planned for the day when they would be acquiring sovereignty, and Guru Hargobind Sahibji displayed that sovereignty. Well, I think, uh, uh, well, you, you make a good point here. I think it's primarily, primarily because we have such uh, a, a, a militant culture, I would say, that we mm. are the culture, we, we have the soul, we can take power whenever we want. Mm. So in, in, in this way, we have been, how do I say, by our so-called own people, we have mm. been 
designed to be like more, more, more of kind of destructive force than being a constructive force. More brawn than brain. Yeah. So the, the Khalsa is, is, is not going to be, let's say, I shall either rule or I shall uh, uh, die as a rebel. Mm. In, in both cases, you're just fighting and destroying things. Mm -hmm. And I have seen this, this written uh, on many vehicles in Punjab, especially. Mm. And uh, there is not, not enough emphasis. Well, I'm saying enough. There's pretty much none on being constructive. Mm -hmm. So, so you, your image of a culture stops at the attire and the sword. That's it. Yep. But if you look at it, if you look at it, Guru Nanak Dev was a farmer, but primarily he was also intellectual. And Pai Mardana, his first Sikh, but, or his second Sikh, if we uh, include Bebenanki, Pai Mardana was a musician. So two humanists, in the sense one was a musician and one a writer, they, or oh, well, talking about Guru Nanak Devji because it was him primarily, he laid the foundations for the Khalsa through his works, through his verses. So an intellectual pretty much made us. So why then are we denying intellectualism? Well, I would say it's just the influence of uh, what happened in the 1700s and the, in the second half of that century and uh, the British rule. We, we are the martial race. The Sikhs are good at fighting. In my opinion, the British really found fertile ground to corrupt the Sikhs, you know, make them into a, a fighting force rather than a thinking force. If you think about it, since Maharaja Ranjit Singh ascended the throne, you already had uh, texts being inscribed. This is a bunch of rebels. Rebel uh, rebelliousness is the caste of the Khalsa. The Khalsa lives to fight. The Khalsa lives to fight against injustice. The Khalsa this, the Khalsa that, with a significant emphasis on conflict. No one ever sat down and fought, well, wait a second, Banda Singh Badr used his brains. Nawab Kapoor Singh used his brains. Even in the midst of fighting, the Sikh gurus pursued intellectual activities. But all this was pretty much cast aside. And then when the British came in, uh, they would surely have read our texts. That was the British uh, habit. Utilize what that culture thinks about itself against the culture itself to suppress it. And they were like, well, okay, yep, these people think they're warriors. Let's just feed them a much more heavy dosage of that myth until they become brainless. Well, I think you would 100% agree if I say this, that uh, fighting a person is much, much easier than having uh, a debate, having, uh, having a conversation. Yep, yep. It's, it's just a few seconds, a few punches exchanged, or a few kicks and everything, and it's done. I won. But mm. you have to talk to somebody, you have, you have to engage in an argument or, or a conversation, you have to use your brain power. Mm. And that might take a few weeks to knit a single sentence. Mm. Mm. If you look at the 30 years war in Europe in the 1600s, this was, this pretty much the 30 years war came at the tail end of the Dark Ages where uh, Roman Catholicism ruled over Europe for over a century, nearly a century. And 
we had Protestantism grow alongside, and you know, Protestants and Catholics had their own conflicts. Anyhow, there is an author, A.C. Grayling, who's an authority on the Renaissance period, and he's actually made quite a stark uh, remark. And what he said was that, you know, the conflict, the Thirty Years' War, which transpired, millions died in that conflict, and all the powers which deemed themselves to be superior warriors, they went at each other's throats like there was no tomorrow. But all the intelligences all the people with the brains, they sat back and continued in secret conducting their uh, scientific experiments, their intellectual pursuits, until the war ended. The day the war ended, Roman Catholicism wasn't as powerful, the Vatican was reduced to just a city-state, and then all the brains came and proliferated throughout European society. So as you were saying, it's easier to fight than debate, but if an intelligent individual was to use their intelligence wisely, they could just wait out the time until the conflict is over and then come and show a much better way of living. And then the masses would easily say, well, these guys were right. Why didn't we listen to them before? Well, uh, these things take a long time, centuries, if, if not decades. Hmm. And you, you need to have a culture which is accepting of new ideas to begin with. Hmm. And I guess that was Sikhi pretty much that Guru Nanak gave us Sikhi, you know, that uh, here is a new culture, here is a Sikh culture, accepting, tolerant, progressive in the sense it's adaptable, but all of a sudden the cultural aspect, what I'm trying to get at is that the empirical aspect of Sikhi was denounced until it was pretty much demolished. Now it's just an otherworldly fate. And I'll give an example of it as well. Bhagat Pipa has a Shabad in Gurbani, which is on Ang 695. Now, it's interesting to note that Bhagat Pipa's meaning in this Shabad is quite different from the Guru's, but it's the Guru's uh, meaning which counts for us here because essentially for Bhagat Pipa, the Guru was a physical entity. We are talking about a living, briefing human guru. But yeah. for the Sikh gurus, Gyan is guru. As I quoted Ang 759, that the guru is Gyan. But Pagd Pipa has a Shabad which is Kayo Deva, Kayo Deval, Kayo Jangam Jati, Kayo Tup, Kep Nebde, Kayo Puja Pati. Kaya bahu khand khojte navnid paye na kuch aibo na kuch jaibo ram ki duhai pipa panve param tat hai satgur hoye lakha hoye lakhave it's it's quite an intriguing shabad actually i'll provide a translation because it's written in a quite a ancient form of uh, gurmukhi jobrim now, really what the meaning is from Pipa's perspective is multiple gods, multiple goddesses, multiple temples, multiple pilgrimages reside within the body. Within are countless modes of worship and countless offerings. In their search for mystical realms, seekers acquire the treasures famed in myth. 
The maker does not come, nor does the maker depart. Pipa proclaims it so. The maker is obtained through the Satguru. The one who made this world resides within. They who seek, acquire. Now, from Pipa's perspective, this really means that, you know, the maker, God, is within us, right? All of God's works are within the human body. But from Gurbani's perspective, what I mean is Guru Nanak's perspective, Gyan is within our brains, the brain is within the body, and everything else emanates from the brain. So you see various modes of worship, various gods, goddesses, these are actually emanating from our brains. But the real truth is that we, when we realize that our cognition is quite high, it can be used for noble purposes. And to use it for noble purposes, we need to live in this world because this world is the true arena of spirituality. Unfortunately, we haven't realized this so far. Well, haven't. And to be honest, if you hear Pakt, Pipa, Shabbat, and Gurdwaras today, another thing Vita Papindar Singh points out is quite intriguing, is that in Gurdwaras today, quite a lot of committees actually forbid the Pracharaks from simplifying Gurbani. So they can read Gurbani, but they can never explain it to the uninitiated. Well, that's counterproductive, to say the least. That is counterproductive, but maybe that's actually part of a grand scheme that if people wake up... Now, if you look at Guru Granth Sahib, it's probably one of the mo probably the most dangerous scripture in the world because it's saying, look, liberate yourselves from the clutches of religion and mental slavery. Use your intelligence, think for yourself, and live life intelligently. And if this was actually read out in Gurdwaras, I'm sure quite a people, a lot of people would rise up and start pointing fingers at the committee that, hey, wait a second, where is all the money for the longer going? Or where is the money for this and this going? How come we're building ornate gurdwaras, but we're never actually looking at the needless uh, elements of our own community? I'll give you one example. You, you raised an excellent point here. Yep. That how people are mentally enslaved. Hmm. Uh, a, a few days ago, I was watching uh, a video of somebody yep. I knew. My uh, he used to be in the same school as me, yeah. Yes. So he was in Canada and he came back after like three years, yep. and he surprised surprised his parents. Yep. So there are like hundreds of videos on YouTube, similar to those ones. Yep. And uh, some, somebody shared a video, so I was supposed to. Okay, I know this guy, so I started watching the video. Yeah. Yep. When he surprises his mother, because his father wasn't home at that time when he went home. Yep. The very first thing his mother did was to pour mustard oil on the gate. <laughs> yep, yep. So, well, you could say it's part of the culture, but I could say it's, it's, it's the same thing, because that, that's what you have been taught, and uh, you don't know anything better. No, you don't. That pure so that is recognized brain, yeah. yeah, so your brain instantly clicked what you have been indoctrinated to do. I must pull the mustard oil on the on the gate, on the door. Mm. Like your son is right there in front of you. Hug him. Say something to him. No. Oil first. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so you make a point of mental mental slavery, and I just gave you an example that how prevalent this thing is. Mm-hmm. My grandmother passed away, and all the old, older people were just, oh, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you brought the picture? 
we have to break the picture too, uh, part of the funeral. I say, I'm not going to do it. Mm. We, we are Sikhs, it's just a sim simple funeral. Mm. So uh, I kind of went against the norms, as, yep. as I should have, as everybody should have. Yep. So this, this, this is the point to which we are mentally enslaved. Everybody, including all, uh, not all, majority of the Amritaris. Nobody dares to, to have a single ounce of dissent in them. If you remember back in the days of Maharaja Ranjit Singh, there was actually, a, I guess, a reformer called Baba Dial Singh Narankari. And well, you don't use the word Narankari, Matt. You will have probably people around your house <laughs> trying to shoot you or something. Well, this was there a was different... These are different yeah. Narankaris, but Baba Dial Singh, now they've sort of changed it to Baba Dial Das or whatever, just to uh, deny that he was a Sikh. What happened was that uh, Dr. Man Singh Narankari, his descendant, has written quite a significant book on Sikhi, Sikhs and Sikhism, which is quite a rare book to obtain, but it's quite worth reading. And there's an incident recounted in there that Maharaja Ranjit Singh organized the wedding of his grandson, Kanvarno Nihal Singh. And yeah. during this time, all the Nihangs, all the, you know, Khalsa, Poja, everything at Lahore, everyone gathered to, you know, partake in the wedding ceremonies and festivities. And such was the superstition of Ranjit Singh that he invited Brahmins to do the puja for the wedding. It did. And Baba Dial Singh, if you look at the manuscripts he left behind, he actually remarks that back in the day, because he was born on the onset of the Khalsa Raj just before, so he actually saw Ranjit Singh ascend the throne. The way Sikhs were married was that they, the couple would sit in the presence of the Guru Granth Sahib, the lava would be red, there would be no peras, and they would be married in front of the Guru, in front of the Sangat. What happened here was that as they did their uh, peras, those rounds around the fire, Baba Dial Singh actually came over and he said to Maharaja Ranjit Singh that uh, this is wrong, this is against Sikhi. And Maharaja Ranjit Singh turned around and, you know, made the usual excuses that, you know, this is what our ancestors did or this is what, you know, Plana Plan did and so forth. Anyway, Baba Dial Singh left and started his own movement, which would be far removed from superstition. And this Pyoda Deda called Dita Kajana was one of his uh, favorite Shabbats, apparently, because it emphasized mental autonomy. So his followers, even though they were Sikhs and uh, branded as heretics by the mainstream or majority of the mainstream, they actually started questioning everything. They questioned Gurbani and tried finding answers within Gurbani and so forth. And it sort of started a movement on the fringes of Sikh society, which has never been fully explored today, but which all people who have witnessed it remark is quite concomitant with Gurmat. They don't believe in any superstition. They believe in nothing like that. And the few original Narankaris there are, if you're Amritari, they actually sit you right in front of the Sangat so, you know, the congregation can see your jivan and follow you as a template for bettering themselves. Whereas in the mainstream, it's actually accepted as being a sign of high religiosity and you can't be Christianed. Well, there's a, there's a very easy entry into the Amritari life. Just show up to a Gurdwara, say, I want to take Amrita, and they won't ask you a, a second question. Mm -hmm. No entry requirements. No. Absolutely none. 
And I guess if you look at the internal Amrit intelligence, the exterior Amrit actually symbolizes that we drink that Amrit from within all the time. Uh, well, my opinion slightly is slightly different from it, but that's a discussion for some other time. Yep. You were talking about uh, the marriage of uh, the grandson of Randy Singh, known as yep. Singh, yeah? Yep. So there is marriage and then there are children. Yep. In the coming century, no, no, coming decades, in the 21st century, how do we prepare ourselves for a demographically changing world? This is a very important point. I think first and foremost, rather than relying on divine intervention, as Guru Arjan Dev Ji says, that collective heritage of humanity intelligence, that Pyoda Deda Kajana, that needs to be opened fully among our leadership. And uh, for, let's say, an average Sikh who is in either India or America or Canada or Australia or maybe somewhere, anywhere in the world, what could they do? For them, it's a matter of impl implementing these uh, injunctions and Gurbani in their lives, I guess, because really at the end of the day, as we were talking yesterday, this Shabbat tells us to open our brains. And in light of the Shabbat, we can translate Bhagat, Pipa's last words, the one who made this world resides within. They who seek acquire that, you know, whoever makes the effort, they acquire whatever is, you know, possible through intelligence. They need to implement these injunctions in their lives because if this is what we believe, when people find out that this is what we believe, they ask, well, why aren't you leading the world in, you know, uh, scientific scientific advances or any other advances which are for the betterment of humanity? Uh, my, point, my point was more towards uh, just your sheer numbers because, as you know, Presidential elections are going on in America, you know. Yep, yep. So Texas is, is about to flip blue because of the Hispanic immigration. Same with Florida, yep. Arizona and everything. So demographics are the future. Mm. So if we don't have enough seats, we will never have political influence. We will never have people who are high up there in high positions. And uh, we were left unprepared for the modern world. I think for us, it's going to be a two-pronged game. On one hand, we need to promote our faith, what we believe in. And on the other hand, we need to have role models or people who we, we can say live exactly like that. For example, if we say that Sikhi is about bettering the socio-political uh, predigam, we also need Sikh politicians who are actually, you know, selflessly serving wherever they are or, you know, seek doctors, we need, I guess what I'm saying is we need to mentally reorient ourselves and become what we are promoting. Well, there could be one Einstein and, and there could be 10 of me and I will declare Einstein to be a heretic and uh, somebody who's mentally unstable and there's nothing Einstein can do about it. At the end of the day, though, Einstein's theory held up against religion, didn't it? Well, it did. And there are more converts to Einstein's cause today than there would probably have been then. But how long after Einstein's death, a few years after his death, his revolution would have grown? Yes, but not after six million of his people were, you know, ordered and uh, thrown into gas chambers and executed. 
They oh, numbers, numbers are important. That's my view. And uh, we need to increase our population. That is my view. And okay. So very close to it, your, yep. your kids and the number of your kids is my next point because I think I, I, I've, I've written a couple of points. And uh, how do you encourage kids to enter non-traditional fields? This requires quite a lot of intensive effort for the parents to change their own thinking first. So if, if today somebody from India immigrates to Canada, let's say, hmm. so within 10, 20 years, they, their mind might change a little bit. They might learn about the new culture and how things are done there. I guess the thing needs to be that we need to highlight that if you're a Sikh, you need to be able to adapt to changing situations without conceding your own beliefs. But beliefs and culture are different, or, you know, current Punjabi culture is different from our beliefs. And if you look at beliefs, you know, the Gurus changed. Baba Nanak was a landholder, became a farmer. Guru Angad was an entrepreneur, became a farmer, and so forth. So why can't we alter ourselves for the better of the community? Yes, we can, and that's what we need to do. Mm, well, that's what we need to do because, I mean, if someone was to say that, you know, Sikhs, like, you know, a man or a woman can start marrying three or four, you know, other spouses, or, you know, if you're having one kid, have four kids or, you know, five kids, there's no guarantee that those kids will be Sikhs down the track, will there? Well, there will be no guarantee, but there's a difference. You, you take if there, you have one kid only, then it's the 50-50 chance. If you have two or three kids, there's, let's say, the numbers are in your favor. At least one of the, the three could be a very good seek if the other two choose not to. But are you ready to take on that burden? Of course I am. That's my responsibility towards my nation. Mm, 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 mm. I am hedonistic, but not that much. Hmm. And I guess this is where that Kajana really needs to be opened, where that intelligence needs to be opened. And there needs to be, I guess, a cabinet of decision makers who need to sit down and say, well, look, this is the future. This is what's important to us in the future. Let's progress accordingly and plan for these eventualities. Well, uh, not exactly a cabinet because that, that can be easily corrupted. But it's, uh, how do I say, it should be a grass, grassroots thing that uh, every Sikh understands what's my responsibility towards my own nation and my, and my people and what needs to be done in the future or in the immediate future, I would say. And I guess Sardar Kapoor Singh aptly summed it up that in the future, we need to be quite uh, proactive in dealing with situations as they come up because no amount of counterparts, no amount of rosaries, or, you know, any uh, any Girtan or any Seva in the Gurdwara will rectify our lot if we fall foul of the world and its norms. That reminds me of something else, too. Sorry, I'm hmm. asking uh, more questions today. I'm usually not that vocal. <laughs> yep. Uh, do you think that getting rid of, let's say, all beliefs and uh, something that I... Uh, I've just arrived to call it cultural pollution. How do we do that? This is where we need to reorient ourselves and emphasize Gurbani, even if people call it fundamentalism. Well, fundamentalism is wrong as long as the fundamentals are wrong. Mm -hmm. If you if your fundamentals are 
kirt karo naam japo and ban chuko being a fundamentally sikh is is not a bad thing in my opinion mm 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 this is where the fundamentals need to be recorrected i mean if you look at the interfaith marriages controversy they tried talking people out of it it's only when people didn't listen they actually started becoming a bit more uh dynamic in their protests but these sort of things need to be clarified and need to be actually pushed and I was actually happy when I read these articles saying that you know interfaith marriages cannot be allowed in gurdwaras because you know they don't believe in the guru they believe in something else and we're essentially lying to the guru when they do the paras because what the lava are saying that both husband and wife will follow the gyan of the guru as enunciated in the guru granth sahib except if one doesn't then that's pretty much a lie so why are you deliberately lying to yourself and your faith and getting someone else to lie as well well so you need to have a lot of colorful pictures for your instagram and stuff <laughs> well leaving all that aside that's the sort of steps that need to be taken where there needs to be proactivity where the youth need to be involved where we need to sit down cause what we are doing is we are sitting down and promoting the stuff to the youth which we want the world to believe we are all equal uh we all believe in equity we do not believe in gender discrimination blah 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 we also need to tell them where the line is you know where there is a fine line between do and do not that needs to be the main starting point well in terms of your in- interfaith marriages point i think uh, if you want to marry somebody well it is your choice who you want to marry hmm you need to cross over to, to the other side hmm you cannot hold the way they say that you can't travel in two boats at the same time Choose. no you can't you are an individual you want to marry another another individual go ahead why you want to drag sikh along with you mm-hmm. it's your choice you choose to love that person or whatever so now you want to drag sikh along with you you want to bend sikh for your personal choices or your personal beliefs mm. and i guess as a recap as we are coming up to closing time pretty much is that intelligence is the true amrit intelligence needs to be utilized needs to be utilized in everyone and we need to start emphasizing that it be used heavily among our future generations and this current generation if we are to survive further that is true and i agree with you yep until next time then wahiguru ji ka khalsa wahiguru ji ka khalsa